Welcome to episode 16. It's our sweet 16 in the life of our podcast. And before we start, Booty and I wanted to remember our Aunt Betty, who we lost this past week. Our listeners might remember Aunt Betty's roles from episode three. And actually, Janet's damn brownies. That was actually originally Aunt Betty's recipe. It's kind of funny because at the end of her life, Aunt Betty was vegan. So all of our favorite (laughs) recipes are things that she didn't make. But we have (laughs) very happy childhood memories of Aunt Betty. Booty, what's your favorite thing to remember about Aunt Betty? Well, I just remember having wonderful vacations at their homes in Colorado. They had this condo in Beaver Creek. They also owned Dairy Queens. And yes, <laughs> we loved going to the Dairy Queens. <laughs> that was excellent. And it turns out, just in case anybody's wondering, if you can make a lot of money by owning a franchise like a Dairy Queen, it's really, really hard work. <laughs> it turns out that you have to be responsible 24-7. And she and her ever-faithful companion and husband, Harold, or Uncle Harold, they were the most hardworking people ever. Yeah. They were always over there overseeing the employees, making sure everything was running smoothly. So they earned every single penny of that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were, they were very successful, but I think you've said it exactly right. They earned every single penny. And I should say, just to explain that Betty was our dad's older sister. Betty was maybe two or three years older than dad. And they were real kindred spirits in a lot of ways. Yeah. She was kind of the bossy of (laughs) (laughs) the bossy and dad. So they had a condo and we went there for, I think a weekend or something. And they had had a sale on banana splits at the Dairy Queen, but unfortunately it rained or for whatever reason, they wound up with a whole grocery bag full of banana (laughs) (laughs) So that weekend, we did a lot of fishing. And because the lake or whatever was stocked with fish, we caught a lot of fish. And we ate a lot of fish and bananas. Mm. Which I I don't think any of those recipes are going to make it into the podcast. (laughs) Don't worry. (laughs) Yeah, I mainly remember Aunt Betty. Well... She just was always up for anything. I mean, she defined to me the lifelong learner. She left her parents' home when she was, I think, 16 or something like that and got married. And eventually they had the Dairy Queens around the Denver area. I think they owned four Dairy Queens at one point. Every time you talked to her, she was, at one point, she got her pilot's license. Then she and Harold got their scuba certification. She was always reading, and every time you talked to her, she would tell you about how she had gotten in touch with somebody and read a book about chakras, and my son remembered her having a mat that you you stood on it, and it it gave you sort of small pulsing shocks that connected you with the... (laughs) 
yeah the earth's energy and things like that and whatever she did she threw herself into fully and completely and then once she had gotten a hold of it she pulled everybody else in and she was just such a great spirit i remember when she this was just a couple years ago she decided that she wanted to walk from golden to boulder (laughs) and and that's about 10 miles and and by the way i think it was like 90 degrees it was like 90 degrees and it's not even a nice walk. I mean, yeah. you're, you're just kind of in the desert. I mean, there's highway. like, it's like, <laughs> yeah, you have to walk along this highway and there's no shade. And I think somebody got heat stroke or something, yeah. but I said, well, why did you do that? And she said, well, I, I just always wanted to do it. And, and so she, got a whole bunch of other people to do it. And when she told Harold, I think, I think we should walk from Golden to Boulder. He said, well, I'll go with you. (laughs) Harold was always up for whatever Betty had decided. And and I, (laughs) I I just thought that was so great that that it was like, well, if you're going to go, I better go with you. So the world has lost a great spirit this week and a wonderful soul. And I I think mom always quotes Isak Dennison's, I guess this was something that she said at the end of a dinner uh, with old friends. I'll start it and then we'll each do a line. So it starts, we have salted sweet hours. Made the years rewind. Eaten all the ripened heart of life. And made a luscious pickle of the rind. And I think that could be said for Aunt Betty. There were certainly many things that were hard in her life, but she made a luscious pickle of the rind and definitely made every single moment on this earth that was hers special and wonderful and definitely made all of our lives better. And she certainly took advantage of Every opportunity she had to to do whatever was in her heart. And when she was done with that, she found something else. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> there is a book called Always Betty, which she wrote, one of her many adventures. It says, one woman's romp through life with grit, wit, and wisdom. And it's available on Amazon. So we'll put a link in there. Yeah. And I should say, I mean, she wrote this book just a couple of years ago when she was in her mid to late 80s. She decided that she'd, she'd better write a book. And even that, just the the kind of determination was definitely indicative of her great spirit and drive to just keep doing and always keep doing. So our recipe for this episode is the panzanella from another Ina Garden cookbook. (laughs) Mm. There are several versions of this recipe and Ina herself has several versions. So the one I had was from a cookbook called Go To Dinners. And I think that this is the most recent of Ina's cookbooks. 
I think um, that's right. Yeah. She wrote it during COVID when she realized that her idea of a dinner had changed because it was just her and Jeffrey, her husband. So she kind of simplified things. And what Glossy wrote at the front of the cookbook is to booty because you can never have too much Ina. Love that is still so true. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So the one I have has shrimp in it. But if Bossy, do you want to talk about like the basic recipe? Yeah, the I think the first recipe was actually from her second cookbook, Barefoot Contessa Parties, Ideas and Recipes for Easy Parties that are really fun. <laughs> and well, I should say panzanella, which sounds very fancy, mm, but it I think its origins are basically it's Italian and it was a way to use stale bread. So despite the fancy name, it's known for being the use your leftovers recipe and how to use leftover bread. And I love it because it makes a lot and it keeps well. It's one of those things that you can make it one day and eat it for a couple of days. It stays good. It doesn't use one pan. But, well, it uses one pan because you have to cut up the stale bread and make croutons, but then you do need a serving dish to add everything. And I think the other thing I like about it is that it's adaptable to whatever you have in your larder, you can throw in. But the basic recipe is, so you take, I usually use just a baguette loaf. And I will say it has gotten to the point where I'll buy a loaf of bread and my husband will say, am I allowed to eat this or are we going to make, are we waiting for it so that you can make the hensadella? Yeah. Well, and actually I bought a loaf of bread, which I got to say, I didn't know whether it was going to be good or not. Learn as we go. So it was not that great. The bread was pretty terrible. Magically, when you Mm. had olive oil and salt and you toast it it was so good so I kind of feel like you can use any kind of bread that you leftover bread or fresh bread doesn't really matter and it's going to taste good yeah I mean I, I probably wouldn't use sandwich bread but some kind of bakery bread. I've made it with light and airy bread. I've made it with a pretty dense baguette or boule. I tend to like that better just because I think the dense bread soaks up the Mm. vinaigrette. But I mean, basically how you make it is you cut up the bread into about one inch squares, and then you, you heat up some olive oil in a I usually do it in a big saute pan. Sometimes I even though use a Dutch oven type thing just because then the oil, if it spatters up. So you you heat up the oil. You, you want to get it decently hot so that it sizzles when you put the bread in. And then you just keep toasting the bread in the hot oil on the stovetop. And then you put salt and pepper on. You don't want to put too much bread in the pan So I usually do two batches and you do have to keep stirring it because it can brown pretty quick. Yeah. I wound up using tongs to 
rotate the pieces. I mean, that's true because you do have, if you cube it, you've got, let's just do a little math here. You've got maybe <laughs> 50 cubes and then you have six sides. You know what would be really great is if you could make round. <laughs> oh, and then you can make bread like ball. Swirl it. Yeah. Ears. Maybe like <laughs> with a melon baller. Yeah. <laughs> you could put it in your ice cube maker. And uh... <laughs> I do like the crust part. So let's see. That's six sides times 50 cubes. So that's 300 sides that you have to roast so don't do the math don't do the math <laughs> don't count your stitches don't do the math no but i usually end up doing it in two batches it she says about six cups it would make from one loaf or half a baguette or something like that and again this is the kind of recipe too where you know whatever you have proportion wise it's not really that important so you toast the bread and then in the original recipe, she has one hothouse cucumber unpeeled. She says seeded. I don't usually seed it. No. If it's one of those nice hothouse ones, then you don't really need to do that. Slice about a half an inch thick. One red bell pepper, one yellow pepper cut into cubes, half a red onion, and then about three tablespoons of capers drained. And you basically have the hot croutons, you add the veg, and she actually says two large ripe tomatoes. I usually use cherry tomatoes and just cut them in half. Anyway, you put all the veg in and then you make this really nice vinaigrette that you pour over. And the magical part is how the bread soaks up the vinaigrette and it is so good. Okay, so the recipe online is different. Oh. The recipe that I found online was with cherry tomatoes halved. And and for the red onion, you want to slice it in half rounds. And then it was half a pound of feta cheese. She says cut into half inch cubes. I just kind of crumbled it in. I think if you get the crumb, mm. it's fine. Half a cup of Kalamata olives. I probably put in less than that because my kids don't really like. Not everybody likes olives. Not everybody likes olives. No capers. So, I mean, that's what's so great, though, is that you can make it your own. And I will put in what I, I don't exactly have a recipe for my vinaigrette, but I can tell you how I make it, which is basically I put about a few tablespoons of good Dijon mustard. If you can get it from France, that's great. I use the Mai brand mustard. So they have Mai brand in the U.S., but it doesn't taste the same. It's like if you've ever had Canadian beer, like Molson here, it's not the same beer as what they have. Mm. What that? Why that is? We should say too that when she says my, it's M A I L L E, right? Yes, my. So I'll put a couple of tablespoons of mustard in a jar, stir that with about the same amount of balsamic vinegar. So yep. mix that up and then add about 
twice that amount of olive oil. And then you have to stir and stir and stir and stir and stir until it's really emulsified. And then it'll keep, got your jar of vinaigrette and it'll keep in the fridge for a long time. And Mm -hmm. I do have a little tip on the mustard. You can get my mustard, M-A-I-L-L-E at World Market. Mm. So for whatever reason, they have the French imported mustard and not just the American. They're, they're actually getting like their authentically imported things from Europe. Okay. Once again, I think we're at the refrigerator that makes round ice cubes where you're showing your Kirkland privilege. Not everybody <laughs> has a world market, especially people who live in colonial America. Their own damn mustard. <laughs> they have, she has to go out and cultivate the mustard <laughs> grains. <laughs> she gets out her like the little red hen. Morton pestle. Yeah. But um, no, I just, I use, I use Grey Poupon. And that's fine. I think Grey Poupon is fine. You know, the My Mustard, whatever you can get. Obviously the better ingredients get you better results. Now, do you put garlic or shallots or anything in your vinaigrette? I don't even, I actually, I used to put salt and pepper. I don't really do that anymore. I figure, mm. you know, if you want salt and pepper, you can put it on your salad. I Oh, see, I usually put salt and pepper and I usually put a little bit of thyme. Mm. Brush up a little bit of thyme in there. Good. That's good. Mm-hmm. But I think your proportions of one part balsamic, her recipe actually calls for champagne vinegar, which... I know. <laughs> the one that I have doesn't have champagne vinegar. It says good red wine vinegar. Okay. And she's also using half a teaspoon of Dijon mustard. And I think that's where, I mean, if you like mustard, then go for a, a good tablespoon of mustard. Yeah. I mean, I like to make it in bulk so i'm gonna seems a little skimpy i mean well and i will i will say this that you do probably want i think her proportions are for the salad but you probably want a good half cup of vinaigrette to pour over wouldn't you say i do my salads a lot lighter i think i i probably would do a quarter of a cup that seems skimpy i know here we go uh-oh. <laughs> what, what was the I other saying? thing that you were skimpy on? I know I don't remember, but I just think generally you're skimpy. <laughs> yeah, and actually, I'm looking at her original recipe, and and she doesn't have any cheese in it, and the cheese is really good. And I guess in the other recipe, I usually put in feta, but you know, what's also really good is fresh mozzarella. You could do an Italian version where you do the tomatoes, mozzarella, basil. Would you leave out the peppers if you did that or add them? Yeah. I think if I were doing a caprese, I might just put a lot of tomatoes and mozzarella and the toasted 
croutons. And then I have done one that's sort of like a Greek version that's got feta. And then I do put in the peppers and the olives and the capers. And then I usually sprinkle a little bit of oregano on that oregano and thyme that's for sort of a Greek salad version of it. And my daughter more red onions. My daughter thought that so we made the Greek version, which is the one online. And my daughter thought that the olives should have been halved because the tomatoes were halved. Yeah. Like she thought that that would have a better distribution. And I think she's probably right about that. <gasps> I I agree. Is this like three times in a row? Three times in a row that I've agreed with her. Oh my God, it's terrible. Don't tell her because then she'll just, to be contrary, she'll, she'll be like, well, <laughs> you got it wrong. Well, and Booty, I love, Booty taught me something about mm. the French method mm. for, and I thought this was genius for how you dress a salad. And I do do this now. Explain that. Actually, I don't really do exactly the way. So they would make their dressing for each salad. They would make it in the bottom of a bowl. Yeah. And since I'm making a vat of dressing, it's like my vanilla vat, you know, <laughs> the vat of dressing. I have it in a jar and I, I just do it the American way, pour it over. But because they're making it in the bottom of the bowl, so you've got your dressing in the bottom and then you toss the salad and you kind of are scraping up the dressing with the salad. But I did think that that was, that was a game changer for me because you know when you bring a salad to a potluck or whatever and then you're, you don't want to dress it beforehand, but then you got this little extra thing if you basically just put the dressing in the bottom maybe a couple of leaves are going to get but it's basically it's one dish and you can kind of get a good sense from how many greens you put how much dressing you're going to need but to me I thought that was genius to put the dressing at the bottom Mm. and then take it and it can just sit there and then when you're ready you just toss it I love it. Well, and the other thing I loved about this recipe was, and like I said, the cookbook I have it in, it has shrimp. And so you can add, if you want it to to kind of round it out and make it a, you know, more of a protein packed, you can add shrimp or chicken or beef, steak. Yeah. I don't know that it would, that it would keep as well with shrimp. That would probably be a one and done. I think it, it's nice to have the salad and then the shrimp on the side. Yes. No. Yes, I would do that. Yeah. But great summer dish. Great for using old bread or buying bread and protecting it, unlike the <laughs> infamous cashews, so that then you can make panzanella. And it sounds very fancy, too. Right. But it's really not fancy it's kind of peasant food that you're using up so you don't waste anything which I like that too I think that's I like that yeah it's really good so thanks Sina for the many variations and we'll put booty's vinaigrette recipe in there a little more generous she could even (laughs) be more generous but so booty what 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 are you knitting well I recently went to the Olympic 
peninsula to visit my sister and my two aunts that live. This is on our mom's side. Mom's side. And my cousin. It's kind of the aunt episode, yes. Yeah, the aunt episode. And exciting news. Our Aunt Mm. Annie, who is also like our Aunt Betty, Aunt Annie is also multi-craftual. She's done a lot of quilting and she's always done a lot of sewing. And oh my gosh, when I was little, one of my favorite Christmas presents was a Raggedy Ann doll that Aunt Annie made for me. She made one for me. That's right. One for Melissa. They were just the best. I mean, I spent many, many hours with that doll. It It was huge too. It was was like like, two and a half feet tall. Yeah. Yeah. And it had the heart. Raggedy Ann was known for having an embroidered heart. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Cutest little outfits. They were so adorable. And now she has decided to take up knitting. So we went on an adventure to Port Townsend and we visited the Bazaar Girls Yarn Shop, which was Was it B-I-Z-A-R-R-E or Bazaar as in B-A-Z-A-A-R? That's a good question. It was Bazaar or Bazaar? Right. Because I was thinking it was a strange name. And now that you say that, it was (laughs) B-A-Z-A-R. <laughs> like, oh, now it makes sense. <laughs> Paying attention to details. <laughs> yeah, it's in an old house, so it's kind of in the living room of this old house. Oh, cool. uh, I took a video, of course, I'll send that, and it does feature Aunt Annie at the beginning. Mm. Very funny. It was really a nice shop. And the other thing when I visited. Our sister was that our sister has our grandmother's train case that Mm. she traveled with. And so I got a train case actually when Bossy was visiting. So I have my own version of the train case. It's the Della Q train case and it's blue. It's very cool. I don't think I would be traveling with this (laughs) because I mean, I don't know how grandma did it. It's heavy. Oh, and yeah, and I have a painting that listed that has a picture of grandma's train case. It's like this sort of greenish, I'll take a picture of it, greenish, yeah, train, I mean, we should describe it, It, because not everybody knows what a train case is. It's like a kind of taller than a shoebox, and maybe, it's probably about the width of a shoebox, but maybe about one and a half times the size and then hers had a little handle on the top and then it does it have sort of an upper compartment and then a lower one no mine does I don't know if it used to but our our sister's keeping her acrylic paints in there which I think is fabulous I mean (laughs) grandma would have loved that (laughs) still being used still treasured and the one from Delacue, I will say, has a lot of bells and whistles. Like it's got this magnet board. So you can. Oh, on the inside. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you can actually attach, like, well, I guess it's metal and then you can attach magnets to it. And then it's got the little tray that comes out and it's got these yarn 
threads on each side. Oh, okay. Um, so that's, yeah, so that's nice. I do remember hers had a kind of upper tray and then below. And I remembered as a little kid, there were always treasures in there that there's definitely some candy in there somewhere. <laughs> Clarets, remember Clarets gum? She used to chew Clarets gum. You know, and there'd be like thimbles that she'd mm. usually have the little sewing kit. Cold cream. Cold cream. Yep. <laughs> Hand cream. And just there was always all this. <laughs> Grandma was known for her little rain bonnets. They were these basically pieces of plastic, like saran wrap, but they were folded into. Yeah, it was like a little accordion. Yeah. And then you yeah. folded it then could refold it. <laughs> and she would put them on her head and then she'd tie them underneath her chin and they would protect her. Because these were the days when you would go and you would get your hair done once a week. So you wanted to protect your hair between getting it done once a week. But <laughs> I do remember that train case because when we were moving from St. Louis to Philadelphia. And I don't exactly know why our parents decided this, but grandma was moving with us. The rest of the family was going to drive, but not grandma. So grandma and I went and took the Amtrak train with the cat. So it was me, grandma, and Kunta Kitty. <laughs> Those were the days of yeah. Alex Haley's roots, right? which inspired. <laughs> and our cat was apparently pregnant, or so we thought. It ended up being a false pregnancy, Who knew? which is just, maybe she was bad. <laughs> it was weird. Yeah, it was weird. But I do remember grandma having that train case and me and the cat and grandma and the train case on the Amtrak from St. Louis to Philadelphia. And we probably got in at 30th street station and somebody picked <laughs> us up. <laughs> well, the other thing when I was visiting our sister was I was able to give her the finished horse with the outfit. Uh, <laughs> It's so adorable. I crocheted a little carrot to put in the pocket in the front and I'll put it. Oh, excellent. There. The carrot was not part of the pattern that was, but it was a free pattern on Ravelry. I just had some orange yarn. Orange yarn? Yeah, orange, orange. Bahama <laughs> Mama. It was not Bahama. Bahama Mama, but it was a really nice yarn. It was cereal knitters yarn, but I don't remember the color. You might be able to look it up. And then mm. the green for the top. So it that the it was really cute. So we did a little video with her real horse. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. Speaking of finished projects, <gasps> I finished the panties for Holly the Hedgehog, and I will take pictures and put them in the show notes. I do have to say that after I finished them, and we have to put this to our sister, Melissa, did this great, I guess it's a painting, right? Called Grandma Panties, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And 
you know, Holly has a very large butt. And I couldn't figure out why at the beginning it had you doing these short rows back and forth at the top. And this is another very annoying as I, I always convince myself that the pattern is wrong. Mm. Why do I do that? Mm. It's not wrong. You needed short rows in the back because she's got a big butt. That's <laughs> what you need there. And then she's got quills on top of the butt. The panties, well, Actually, Louise Crowther calls them French knickers. Oh, my God. But they've got this really cute open work lacy pattern on the sides and with three little buttons in the back. Then I decided, because I can't not do these things, to make the edging at the base of it in the Bahama Mama orange I love that. It's so cute. But Booty, I wanted it to just be the little edge. And I don't know why I didn't think of this, but when I first did it, you really, if you're adding a new color and you don't want to get that line, uh-huh. you really need to add the color on a knit row. Right. On the right side. I know. On the right side. I think there might be magical physics involved with that. Hmm. Because I did it wrong, and then I was like, mm, I don't really like this. It looks great on the shoes, you know, because it looks like the stitching that you would see between the sole of a shoe and the top, but on the panties. So I had to take it out and redo, adapt and adjust. <laughs> so, because God forbid her panties not look in keeping with the rest of her totally put together hedgehog self. She is yeah. ready to party. This said, I'm since I am going out to Seattle in July, I've decided that I'm going to hand deliver her because of certain incidents involving the mail and knitted items. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I suppose I should tell this story of, I don't, when was it? It was like maybe six years ago or something. I Yeah, it was a long time ago. I had started this poncho, Serape, for mom. And I started it in June and I thought, I'll have this ready for her birthday in September. No, I didn't. Because I was using very small needles, I had designed, I found this really cool lacy pattern that I liked. So I'd I'd actually kind of designed this garment using very small needles. And by the time September rolled around, I think I was maybe about halfway. And I mean, I'd been working on it. (laughs) So I kept going, made it a Christmas present sent it out along with other goodies homemade everything homemade told mom okay got the notification that it had been delivered and it was stolen out of her apartment building somebody got in there this i think that there was a lot of mail that yeah it was the time. year I, i'm pretty sure it was the year of the glitter bomber yes people were stealing amazon packages or packages in general but there was this person who decided to 
put a video recorder in a package and so put it out as a tempting honeypot yes and mm. it would explode with glitter and fart smell oh that's right the fart smell I've... <laughs> and, it would, and it would show the person who had received it you know and their expressions and everything so that yeah. was fabulous thank you glitter bomber that was really good but <laughs> still small consolation for the tragedy i know i had literally worked on this thing for six months and so if anybody sees somebody walking around downtown Seattle with a beautifully hand-knit poncho. I believe it was dark blue, too, which was... She did make her the... Well, but I had, I literally had about a year where I didn't knit Mm. because I just, I felt violated. No, I just felt like, oh, so I will be taking out Holly the Hedgehog when I visit. Not checking it in your luggage. Be- Not checking it in my luggage. Yes. Because I could see that. <laughs> I, I, w- I will say that my mother-in-law knit a sweater for my husband and he left it on the plane. Oh. And then she knit him. And I thought mm. that was only a mother's love. Only a mother's love. Yes. <laughs> but Yes, Holly has panties now, and her panties, I'd say they're on the edge of bloomers. Yes, they're so cute. (laughs) They're big girl panties. And they remind me of one of my favorite of our sister Melissa's paintings called Grandma Panties, which we got to find that and put that in because it's just the best. Well, thanks so much for listening. And as usual, you can check out the show notes. I think it's time to say whatever you do. Don't Don't knit knit like my my sister. sister. My grandma or my aunt. Aunt 